time again for scaring and sharing yes the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror yes yeah buddy that's what we do uh as always we're here together in this digital space i'm staring at the wonderful flame and scream queen himself brandy joe planbeck and i'm here with the delightfully dangerous Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. Yes. Hell yes. Bitch. (laughs) And if you've never listened, Jeremy and I love horror movies. We love to talk about them. We love to watch them. And usually in the other order. And that's what we do. We get together and we um, talk about them. This is a non-traditional episode, although anymore, there's... What does that even mean anymore? What does it even mean? Fuck tradition, you know? Yeah, that's right. But Jeremy and I went and saw a new movie, a new movie that's not even out. And we'll talk about that later. But before we get to that, we have um, lots of other stuff to talk about. We have some horror things to discuss, news, things we've watched, whatever. We have some letters to read. It's yes. just, it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff. So stick around, you know, get cozy by the fire and let's... Let's dive into this stuff. If you're okay? if you're if you're driving your car while listening, keep your hands on the steering wheel, please. Uh, and if you're running, don't look behind you. Never look back. Mm-hmm. Don't look back. So, Jeremy. Yes. I started watching the second season of Fargo this week, which has Kirsten Dunst because we watched this like Vanity Fair Kirsten Dunst. Um, I want to say discography. Um, she talked about like her career and all the things she's oh, done. Okay. And I've always wanted to see the second season of Fargo because I know mm-hmm. she's in it and I they're all standalone. And I bring that up because it it has some weird so far. I don't know how it plays in, but it does have some supernatural elements to it. That's what I've been hearing. Like, that's one thing people. Well, number one, I love the Coen brothers uh, and I love the original movie version of fargo so a lot of people have been like they're like you gotta watch the show like it's its own thing but it does have the flavor of the coen brothers and feels very in their like universe um but the second thing is everyone keeps telling me like progressively even with each season they bring in more and more like fanciful elements uh or like paranormal if you will elements uh so that definitely has my interest Yes, so I'm intrigued to see where that goes, but it sets it up kind of in the first episode. And then also, did you hear the news that the Coen brothers are working on a very bloody horror movie? Really? I didn't hear that. Or it's like in, like, you know, the works. In okay. Like, I think they have what the project is that they want to do, and it's supposed to be very bloody, but also very funny, like they do. But yeah. definitely more on the horror realm and less, like, just bloody, you know? Yeah. Less like crime, but more horror. So. Fuck yeah. That would be cool. Cause I mean, like the closest thing the Coen brothers I think have done to horror is I don't know if it was both of them, but one of them, and now I can't remember which, worked on the original Evil Dead uh as a crew member. So that's like the closest you have to like a Coen like true horror connection. Um, but uh 
I think the one movie they always talk about is Barton Fink that most people say is like the closest to a horror movie. It's still Mm. like a neo-noir crime. You know, it's got a bunch of things going on, but it does have a it has some distinctly like horror elements in it. Uh, So that's like, I think as close as they've ever gotten to true horror, but. Okay. Yeah. And also speaking of TV, Ethan had asked in his telegram, and I don't think either of us touched on it about the curse that Emma Stone yeah show which i watched the first episode it is just because it's an a24 show right which makes it sort of exciting but it just ah, god i don't know i just was having a hard time getting into it i've Mm -hmm. heard pretty mixed things mostly negative about it but ethan sort of got me a little bit more intrigued on it so i might try to give it another whirl okay and i still haven't seen poor things and i want to i know i keep seeing now it's getting its profile has raised now that it's been nominated for best picture. Like I'm oh, seeing yeah. it's it's getting screened all over the place. Cause I remember we wanted to do it for the show, but we couldn't find any screenings near us at the time. So and also it's weird because in all of these best of horror lists, it's not anywhere, which I know it's not a horror film, but it's a Frankenstein film. Yeah. So you would think that it would have popped up on some of these lists. Yeah. It's horror adjacent for real guys. Come okay. on. Now I have another, I'm jumping all over the place here, but that's okay. Um, We went and saw Godzilla Minus One Minus Color last night. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen the Minus Color. I I missed it, but I bet you it'll be on, you know, streaming or whatever eventually. But like Joe really, I'm going to, I sort of convinced Joe to see it. He's Mm -hmm. never really been into monsters or Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And I knew when we left, I was like, I bet this is Joe that's going to say, meh. And that's exactly what it uh-huh. I think on Letterboxd, he gave it two stars, which just broke my little heart. Yeah. And while there's something not kitschy, um, knowing the history with Godzilla, especially if you are like a diehard Godzilla fan, there's something kind of unique to watching it in black and white, but I really missed it being in color. Okay, so the color like is yeah. There's something superior. kind of fun, fun about it being in black and white and looking like an old the original school. movie. Yeah, yeah. But I really miss the color aspects of it, mm-hmm. and knowing how it all turned out, I definitely was less emotionally wrapped up this go around. Yeah, but I still really enjoyed it very much. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But it also brought me, and I, I don't remember if we've talked about this or not. But I know that there's a lot of discussion of I've on some podcasts I've listened to of people being like, oh, well, I'm not putting Godzilla on my best horror list because it's not horror. And they were like, no, it's like a disaster film, which you wouldn't put on a best of horror. I'm like, but it is a giant monster. Yeah, it is. And I might even include disaster in like horror because I feel like. It's horror of a certain kind. Yeah, where does it fall? Where else does that subgenre go that, you know, it doesn't fit anywhere else but as part of the thriller? And then thriller is just part of horror, so. I know, and I I know that we've talked a lot about genre films, you know, especially Mm -hmm. in the early days. And it definitely is a genre film, but, like, I would 100% put any monster movie in horror. Yeah, I feel, to me, monster movies are a subcategory of horror, like, straight up, because they don't belong anywhere else, unless it's uh, distinctly science fiction, and that's gotta be, like, that, you know, separates it from horror, but, like, this movie is not so much sci-fi as it is horror, because of 
<laughs> it's a giant monster destroying things and ruining people's lives. That's horror to me. And do you start to put sci-fi into horror when there's more like blood and gore? Is that when it crosses over? Yes, I would. I would think like sci-fi starts to cross over definitely when you get like gore and elements of terror involved in it uh, more so than just, you know, because uh, science fiction and horror to me are very much sibling like genres because they can run very parallel to each other and very similarly. So, uh, you know, uh, it, the line can be blurred very quickly. Definitely. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And yeah, it's just, it baffled me to hear that it sounds like multiple people, I mean, not multiple, Weird. but lots of people have that attitude. It's like, just embrace it. Like, yeah. why, can't, why can't you take the W, guys? Come on. But also people can put whatever they want, wherever they want. Sure, yeah. you know, of course. Like, I, But like, it just, it. I would automatically, for sure, put Godzilla as a horror film. Yeah, me too monster it it, it, it uh, letterbox considers it that because i was just uh every so often i like to peruse letterboxd has a updating official list they have of the top rated horror movies of all time on the site mm. and godzilla minus one's in the top 10 because it's got like a wow. 4.2 average or something like that so they've got it included in there as horror so yeah so good so mm-hmm. so good um I've also seen some cool trailers. Yeah. Did you see trail the trailer for Stop Motion? No. I watched about half of it. That's how I do. Like, if I really want to watch a trailer, I watch like half just yeah. to get the premise and like, do I want to watch this? And then I leave the rest to to mystery. Yeah. But it's like this woman who does like stop motion, like as her career or her art or whatever. So she does like stop motion, like film and the the puppets or whatever you want to call them. The stop motion creatures are so eerie looking like they Mm -hmm. look so creepy. They almost look like Mad Dog, which you did watch, right? Mad God. Mad God. They look. I haven't watched it like that. Okay, Uh, But I've been meaning to. Something ends up happening. Like something. There's a creepy horror element where I don't know if they come to life or what, because I stopped watching it. But like she's like this in my mind, as I remember, like this lonely woman and you know someone finds out what she does and then like weird shit starts to happen so i was like fuck yes i love creepy dolls and puppets rarely done fully effectively but it looks fucking scary as shit and i'm okay here for it definitely yeah and then i wrote down in a violent nature which i don't know what the fuck that is but i wrote it down as a note yeah Any bells to you? That rings a bell. It's some sort of like, I literally saw a like teaser clip on social media for it, which was just of a lake, very Friday the 13th looking. Uh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing it's some kind of spin off of the traditional slasher. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. It just was at some film festival and it's, I think, a Shudder movie. And it's, yes, this tagline of a Shudder video about it says, unlike any slasher you've seen Period. Sorry, I meant to, I was going to say more there. But like, I, yeah, I think it follows the killer. Okay. I think is how it works. But yeah, I'm like, I'm here for whatever that there is like a trailer or something. And I, I won't, I won't, I will not watch it. Cool. I've been hearing good things about just the title and that it's been like getting rave reviews at film festival screenings. So, Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Now, Yes. Speaking of trailers and film festival screenings, I have to bring something up because it's sort of the inverse. We just saw the trailer 
for the movie we saw for Sasquatch Sunset, uh-huh, which, you, uh-huh. which you better believe I want to see more than like anything <laughs> you do. that's coming out. But the reason this is on my radar, oh, a couple of things. Number one, one the director of it, uh, or one of the directors, because I think it's like a pair of brothers that are a directing team made Sasquatch Sunset, but one of them worked on the show The Curse as mm. one of the directors. So there's a connection there. Funny enough, we brought that up. But at the screenings that just happened at Sundance or whatever the hell it was that they played Sasquatch Sunset at, by the halfway point, most of the critics had walked out of the movie. So that's <laughs> the response it's getting, uh, which tells me it's challenging. So I like that. I like because uh, literally, from what I know, it's a movie that features no dialogue. It's just about these Sasquatches from the point of view of Sasquatches uh, living what is supposed to be, you know, the life a Sasquatch would live if it's a real animal, a real creature out there. So that's what they did with this and got real actors. <laughs> I say real. What's a real actor? But, you know, actors of note, like Jesse Eisenberg is one of them dressed up as Sasquatches, just being Sasquatches. So that's what this movie is about. Yeah, it looks so bizarre. Bizarre. Wait, it's, isn't that Barry kid one of them? No, I don't oh, think okay. so. No, it's... Uh, oh, no, it's Riley Keough. Yep. I don't know why, like, in my mind, because what's that guy's name? Barry? Barry uh, Keough, Keown, Keoghan, I don't know. Yeah, People that's say why, it like, different. Yeah, name seemed familiar. And Riley could be, you know, multiple genders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh, yeah, she's the one from The Lodge. Oof. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Yes? No. Yes. No? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so far down on her filmography. I was uh-huh, really confused. Uh-huh. Um, and It Comes at Night, which you have not seen. Which I have not seen, but... Talk yeah. about Divided. So I'm, I'm very interested in this thing, because critics either are like, yeah, this is a brilliant little, you know, it's new, it's pushing boundaries and playing with what narrative can do, or they're just like, this is garbage, I, can't, I don't want to watch this, because apparently it's just like watching a nature documentary but about fake creatures so i'm very interested in this i know you are i know it and I, it's I, supposed i, I want to th- check it out those that like it say it's very funny because i'm i imagine there's some sort of satirical or commentary about you know humans in there there has to okay. be to make yeah. it all come together so now did you watch the movie the woman yes i can't remember okay i did I was watching some like brutal movie list or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it it was on there, and I couldn't recall if you had seen it. Oh, I've Um, seen the woman. That was that was a (laughs) ride. Don't forget it. You You don't forget the woman. That lives on in your mind after you see it, (laughs) whether you want it to or not. Yeah, I rather liked it from what I remembered, though. Oh yeah, it's brutal and intense, but I thought it was a good movie. So yeah, not for everyone, that's for sure. But yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. Um. The Razzie nominations came out, which we must touch upon. We have to. I wanted to bring that up because I had thoughts and feelings about this. Um, so, first of all, Worst Picture, we covered two of them on the show. I Yep, <laughs> we did. Which were? I do. Wait, before we get going, oh. I want to I put my thoughts about the Razzies out there. Okay. First off, I think they're stupid. I don't think I think the joke has played itself out. I, I'm going to get brutal here. Sorry. I think the joke has played itself out. I don't know why they keep doing it. Uh, and nowadays they often put movies in there that they're just doing it to garner attention that they nominated. They called it like a bad movie um, where you're like, uh, why? Why? You, you're, you were reaching. They always invent categories to put specific things in like, you know, that's why they do it. 
And I don't know. That's where I'm at. The Razzies, like, it was funny and fun for a while when, like, Hollywood was just constantly pumping out, you know, garbage. Uh, but now, I don't know, I feel they reach a lot, and it's like, the joke feels kind of played out. That's just like, me. give me an example of, like, is there something in this year that you're like, that shouldn't have been in there? Th- this year, uh, The Pope's Exorcist, both Franco Nero and Russell Crowe get nominated <laughs> as, like, worst actors. But I'm like, the actors are what saved that fucking movie. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, without solid performances, this would have been garbage. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know where they're coming from with that. But the movie itself isn't nominated. It's not nominated yeah, in any no other director, category, yeah. but the actors. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of a stupid blow. I think you're going at Russell Crowe, for example, because he's at a, you know, a lower point in his career uh, than he, he, you know, he was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Now he's more just a working actor, but it feels like they like to take swipes at fading stars and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I feel like The Shining, I think maybe um, back in the day it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think in particular Shelley Duvall was, which makes yes. sense. Yeah, and they just, they, I don't know, I feel like they're off base a lot and just trying to be mean sometimes. Like, uh, last year or the other year, like, Joker was nominated, uh, the movie, in some category mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, it, it was some made-up category that you're, or a new category, because they do ro- rotating ones, but you're like, oh, you designed this one to put Joker in that category, so you could say, look, we nominated Joker for a Razzie, because that was such a hot topic movie that came out to get attention so yeah and also i think it was last year there was like a young girl nominated and people freaked out about that and they like retracted the nomination yeah and also bruce willis uh got they they did a thing like in re like the last couple years where they did a category that was worst bruce willis performance and they did like all the movies he had done that year but then the news came out of his uh you know deteriorating health uh, and so they were like, oh, sorry, we did that. And then like retracted it suddenly. So it's just like, yeah, guys, being mean often doesn't pay off. So <laughs> you look like an idiot. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm fine with them just because I, but I get what you're saying. Oh, I sure. Get- I'm not going to say like, I'm not rallying. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not going to go out there and be like, death to the Razzies. I'm going to die on this hill. Uh, I just, for me, it's just sort of like, eh, you know, I'm meh about it. So. But the big losers, if you look at it. That yeah, way, let's look at the big year, losers. But let's are, let's go over the stuff we covered because we covered a lot of stuff. The Exorcist Believer. Yeah. And Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah. Now, we didn't cover Meg to the Trench, but it's also in there. And I know our friends at It's Only a Podcast would very much agree with that. But, you know, yep. I think they both also liked um, the, the Pope's Exorcist, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I think they had, like, a fun time with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... So like, and I thought it was fine. I didn't love it, but I did. Yeah. I don't. I think I still gave it like a scare of approval. So yeah, we did. Um, but yeah, the, my favorite of the nominations is like there's worst screen combo, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. any two money grabbing investors who donated to the four hundred million for the remake rights to The Exorcist. <laughs> I'm yes. I think The Exorcist believer should sweep it though. It, if everything, I don't know. Blood and Honey could get in there too uh, i could too either one of them i like another one of those worst uh on-screen pairs was piglet and Pooh from blood and honey so. yes yes so yeah i mean Pooh and exorcist are pretty much everywhere except for like the acting categories mm-hmm. because the acting was fine in that that's the thing like the the acting was fine in it it really was like everything else yeah i mean and winnie the Pooh, they're just 
weren't big enough characters. So oh, I was going to say, and Winnie the Pooh, what acting, acting was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> what, what acting? acting. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just had to touch on that because that's always fun. And then, you know, I did have a small corrections corner, and I think you sort of corrected me in a roundabout way on last episode, but I, I called Super Dark Things a 90s movie. But really, I meant to say it takes place in the 90s in case anyone was confused. As yes. I listened to it, I'm like, it sounded like I was talking about like it was made in the 90s. But yeah, no, this takes it's, place in the 90s. Takes place in the 90s, but it is a modern movie. And then the only other thing I had written down here is that um, Alone in the Dark mm-hmm. video game with David Harbour. I don't know. I wrote this down. Um, so I don't know what the fuck that all means, but I wrote it down as something to talk about. Okay. <laughs> is it a video game already? I don't, there was an old video game, I think, called Alone in the Dark. Well, something about that in PlayStation 4. I I think it's that it's coming out and it was like a new game and it was also coming out for PlayStation 4, which I was confused now that there is a PlayStation 5. Will there ever be games that can be played on a PlayStation 4? Yes, there should still be some before they fully uh, transition for for a while, eventually they'll they'll call it though and put it out of production. So yes, Alone in the Dark, I think is coming out this month. It's a PS4 game. David Harbour is in it as one of the actors. And yes, it's a a full motion capture game as they're calling it, but it looks like in line with some of these that I've been enjoying so very much. Very cool. Yeah. Let's get to some teragrams. We got some. Okay, let's do it. Let me kick us off. You have one. I have two. Okay. First up is Teacher Drew, who writes, Good morning, Scare Boys. Props to your last episode. I appreciate Super Dark Times, and in many ways, 30 Days of Night is brilliant. It's a movie concept that makes you say, Why didn't I think of that? I mean, no sunshine for a month? That's a vampire dream scenario. This begs the question, what are some of your perfect settings for a horror movie? For years, I wondered why no one had used Underground Seattle as a set piece, then finally James Wan made Malignant. The most exciting news of my week was Godzilla Minus One being nominated for an Oscar. I might have shrieked when that announcement was made. And speaking of Godzilla Minus One, I am seeing the black and white release today. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. That's all for now. Till next time. Love to you, Jeremy and Brand. Love to you, Jeremy and Brandy Joe. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay you, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. Absolutely. Oh man, perfect setting for a horror movie. I have an idea for a story that would be set in Berlin. Uh, after I visited Berlin uh, last year and totally fell in love with the city, but. It has such a look, and I'm sure there are some horror movies set in Berlin. There's got to be, but it's just such an interesting city. It has a look and a feel and an air to it where you could, I feel like you could very much exploit some sort of horror movie there just from the history alone. Um, so that's that's my setting. I feel like the streets of Berlin, nighttime, there's so many like clubs and all kinds of underground stuff going on there that, yeah, you could you could find a way to do it. Now, I know that there's this movie, or it's like a series, I think, called Dead Set, which is like, and I think they literally use Big Brother as hmm. like the show that's happening in it. It's like a reality show, and then the zombie outbreak takes place. Mm-hmm. And then it's like these people who are in this like 
big brother type house and how it all goes down with them. I've never like it's not readily available. I think I downloaded it at some point um, somewhere. Uh, but my thought is like I know on lots of these shows like in Big Brother at a certain point, like once like there's the jury or whatever, or even I think on like Survivor, like when people get voted off earlier, like they have to go somewhere to wait until the show's done so they don't like go home and people know they lost, you know, mm -hmm. like a sequester house. Yeah. Like I love, I've always thought that's like a great idea for a play or something like that. Like this house where people have been voted off of a show, but they haven't actually gone home yet. So like they're there still like dealing with one another. I don't know if it's like they start taking each other out or something happens, but I love the idea of like a reality show, like sequester house. Mm-hmm. Which is very specific. <laughs> it's very specific, but I don't know. Very specific horror movies work sometimes. So, so yeah, that's what I'm in. I, I like the idea of reality show horror, like the setup, like someone's filming a reality show because it's just so big still to this day. Th th these reality shows and just things, something crazy going on them. So it's not like it's like alive. It's more like the footage being done and then something crazy happens and it's like obviously this isn't being filmed or whatever otherwise they wouldn't show it on air but i don't know reality tv i like the idea of that being used even more i like that like a new sort of and i know there is stuff like this but like uh an updated version to found footage mm -hmm. like reality tv horror that could be cool yeah i like that my other my other location would be in michigan Northern Michigan, like the yeah. UP, I think is great, for, especially for like a remote sort of horror movie, because you've got a lot of wilderness. There are towns, but they're definitely like, especially if you're in the UP, it's far and few between uh, long stretches of just wilderness or desolate highway uh, and the and the lakes. You could do it like right on the Great Lakes, because that also adds another foreboding, uh, mm, you know, natural mm -hmm. barrier. Uh, especially up on Lake Superior, because that lake is just deep. It might as well be a sea itself. So uh, I feel like, yeah, the UP, you could do something. And there's ghost towns all sure. over northern Michigan and the Upper Peninsula. There's just tons of uh, old abandoned mining towns. So I always thought that would be a great, uh, great setting out in the woods in a ghost town and trying to find your way out of there. Would be Heck fun. yeah. Yeah. Love a good ghost town story. Yeah. Well, thanks, Teacher Drew. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Always. Every time. All right. I guess I'm next. Yeah. We got a big one uh, from my brother. Bert writes in. Uh, I love that the subject line is sharks with legs. <laughs> and Bert writes, Stephen King once said, nightmares exist outside of logic, and there's little fun to be had in explanations. They're antithetical to the poetry of fear. That's a really good quote. It is. Uh, anyway, Bert continues. I agree with this statement in many ways. I do believe that there shouldn't be an over-explaining about a monster or an ent entity in a horror story. The unanswered questions are more terrifying to me, but sometimes more is better. Such is the case with 30 Days of Night. 30 Days of Night holds a special place in my heart. It was a gateway film that got me into horror. When I started college, I had gotten into reading horror comics. Among them was the 30 Days of Night comic. The vampires in the comics are very different from the movie. In both the comics and the movie, the best way to describe the vampires are sharks with legs. They move and eat. The film nails that feel to great effect. The comics, on the other hand, have more layers. 
such as one big reveal in the comics, is that the vampires attacking Barrow are young. Marlo, the leader, is only a couple hundred years old. This plays a big role in later comics once elder vampires are introduced, vampires that are thousands of years old. These vampires are old enough to remember what it was like to be hunted nonstop by humans during the Dark Ages. I also remember that in the comics, the government is aware of vampires, but only intervenes when necessary, mostly letting the vampires police themselves. In the movie, you wonder why the vampires can't find everyone that is hiding. In the comics, it is explained. Cold affects vampire senses, weakening them. In the extreme cold of Alaska, vampires are no different than humans. The young vampires attacking the town don't know this. They don't even notice because the cold also affects their thinking, making them behave more like animals. Also in the comics, there is more of an explanation of how the vampires isolate the town, but I can't remember all the details. If I remember correctly, it is mentioned that people from nearby towns do come to investigate what is happening in Barrow, but they wind up being killed. Talking about this really makes me want to reread the comics. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have to say on this. On a side note, welcome to the PlayStation family, Brandy Joe. If you ever want a few game suggestions, please let me know. I am more than certain I could come up with some. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Google gobble, Google gobble. Google gobble. <laughs> Fun awesome. stuff. Thank you, Bert. That That's all some very interesting history. Yeah, and I remember... Uh, in between recording these episodes, I had hung out with my brother and was asking him about the 30 Days of Night comics because I was like, I also read them like a long time ago, or at least the original, you know, story arc of because uh, there's like they went on to do multiple series of it. Uh, but I remember reading the original that the movie's based on. And I kept saying, like, I kept expecting things to happen in the movie that then I realized, oh, I'm remembering a plot point from the comic, mm. not from the movie. And yeah. And I remember a lot of that stuff. He's saying that the vampires get way more lore uh, and explanation and the plot holes are explained away uh, that are still apparent in the movie because the movie doesn't bother to explain the vampires to you. So. It's also interesting that he loves the comics so much, but also the movie, as opposed mm -hmm. to being like, you didn't include these things, so I don't like you. Yeah, which, although I, I see like plenty of people that were fans of the comic like the movie well enough, because I think it captures the essence. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not all the plot de details, but it does capture like the tone and feel of the comic pretty well. So. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Bert. Yeah, excellent. All right, now I have a girthy one as well from front of the podcast, Lauren Gothbotnist, mm. who writes in response to, um, I think, our, a couple of episodes ago. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who didn't know that Founders Day existed, and now I know why. Thank you for your sacrifice. I'm excited about the Until Dawn movie, but I'm also worried. If they keep the main cast, not only is that a lot of expensive star power to wrangle, but they're pretty much stuck repeating the game. They can follow their ideal storylines and all that fun, and I suppose all video game movies are at risk of being a carbon copy, but it's something to be cautious of. Or they can bring in new characters or actors, a prequel of the hospital, sequel to the ending, but then you're really relying on the strength of your fan base who will understand the significance of what's presented. Don't get me wrong, I love the game, which I watched MJ play because I suck at video games. I'd probably watch it either way, especially if it feels true to the game, and especially if they bring back Peter Stormare as Dr. Hill, because that dude is crazy. Y'all need to play Dead by Daylight with Tess. Lauren's daughter. She is quite skilled. Life is Strange, which I brought up before, is a time warp mystery. 
MJ said that the first one is the best by far. We haven't played The Quarry, but Tess watched the playthrough on YouTube, and Ted Raimi has a very memorable character. Play Evil Dead while you can. It eventually won't be supported, aka abandoned by the company, but has a lot of fun available content. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is also a fun game with new content on the way. Kane Hodder did the mocap using Gunnar Hansen as the template. OG Hitcher Edwin Neal, such a nice guy, is in it as Damien Maffi, Maffi, also a nice guy and mostly known for being a masked killer, who plays the infamous new character Johnny. He said he doesn't like to play his own character because he's sick of hearing himself talk, and Johnny talks a lot. Uh, and this is now quoting um, something you said. We want to do Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, but with vampires. Yup, yup. It was definitely a shocker back in 2007 and how brutal the vampires were. This is, of course, about 30 Days of Night. Mm-hmm. Ben Foster absolutely nailed his part as the stranger. His scene in the jail cell made me so uncomfortable. And that was actually what tipped me over the edge and I passed out in the theater. I didn't finish the movie until a long time later at home because I spent the rest of the movie in the car feeling cruddy while MJ stayed to watch the rest, which I insisted he do. I saw 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, the sequel that we talked about. Um, I've seen it. uh, 2010, Lauren wasn't impressed, so I think that it's a solid nope. It was definitely direct-to-DVD sequel, like Blood Rain 2 Deliverance, if I recall correctly. And then further, Lauren is getting me set up with tests to help me learn how to run backwards in Dead by daylight because i still don't know how to do it awesome it's very hard but she doesn't play in a playstation so i'm trying to figure out how that training will go yeah i do think dead by daylight supports cross platform you can like play, play. together but like yeah. she wouldn't be able to like train me just yeah. by playing with me you know sure you'll figure i've it been out. trying like now that i know how to if i die in a in a what do you call a round? That's not what they're called. But if I yeah. die, like I can watch the other players who are still in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think you literally see their screen as they see it. Yes. So I've been doing that to sort of see how other characters play. And it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Cause some people, cause like the training videos are watching, like, don't be a loser, like help your friends, like, you know, or help the other people get work done. Don't be a wuss. Like sure. If it's your first week, you're going to be scared about it getting killed by the killer but like be productive you know yep. more than anything so it's interesting going through and seeing people who are like just like tiptoeing around and i'm in it but i'm yeah. still not great you're in it i always of course this is probably no surprise but when i was playing i preferred to be the killer uh and i have so, no interest isn't that weird that's wild maybe we should do a matchup where i play yeah. the killer and yeah you're, you guys are the victims yeah well, thank you, Lauren, and thank you, everyone. We love a trove of telegrams. You can write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com, or follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. All one word. That's right. We love hearing from you. We Anything do. else to talk about, Jeremy? I feel like we covered so much. Yeah, we covered a lot. Um, I was just going to say, you talked about things you've been watching. Yeah. I've been really bad lately. I haven't been watching a lot of movies or uh especially not horror stuff lately other than i know last time i i mentioned how i started trying to watch prometheus but fell asleep because i unfortunately started it too late finally watched it again um 
I don't know. I feel like this will be my hot take because I feel like it's a divisive movie even still. I oh, really yeah. like Prometheus. I think it's one of my favorite. I mean, other than because Alien and Aliens are like untouchable. You're never going to reach them. But after those two, Prometheus, I think, might be my next favorite entry uh, in the Alien mythos. So, OK, um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Uh, if you've never seen it, I definitely think I should put it in the list for a possible uh, pick for you in the future. So, How, Like, would I have to rewatch the older movies to get any of it? Um, no, you could totally okay. watch this as its own thing. Okay. Uh, it has connections, of course. Uh, but I think that's part of what put people off, too, was that they thought... They were going to see like literally the prequel to Alien that like when this movie ends, Alien starts. And that's not the case. It's just it's another entry in the same like universe as Alien set before when the Alien movie takes place. But it's supposed to stand on its own as its own story okay. that does have connections to Alien. And the I, and there's just some, I think that's why I like it. And I like the idea that Ridley Scott uh, was trying to help expand out this universe that he helped create because um aliens so focused on just like the xenomorphs themselves and being like what new location can we put them in and have them kill people and when you re keep repeating that that gets so boring for a film series so i gave major props to ridley scott for being like no i want to create a just a story that it's it's its own story set in the same universe but like goes off in different directions that the other movies don't touch on but with okay. you know piece, pieces of lore from the original movie so yeah i'm definitely intrigued and i wanted to see it i think yeah. joe got me the blu-ray a million years ago and i still mm -hmm. have never watched it so um yeah i yeah. also watched american nightmare do you know this documentary I've heard of it. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Three parts. True crime, not horror, but definitely like some fucked up shit. And mm -hmm. it, it's good. I think each episode is like 40 to 45 minutes. So it, like I watched it all in a night. I went to bed at like 11 and was like, I'll watch an episode. And I like stayed up and watched all three of them because uh -huh. it was so many twists and turns. It is wild. So cool. highly recommend that. If you don't know the story, like check it out. Even if you do know the story, I think that it's really well produced and stuff. If you love those three part, you know, documentaries on Netflix, American Nightmare. It's all the rage right now. Cool. Shall we dive into our film? Let's talk about the film. All right. So this week, Jeremy and I went to see one of the AMC's Scream Unseen films, Out of Darkness. So it was technically made in 2022. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it is coming out in the States next weekend. So I think in like um, a week from when this podcast will be released. So mm -hmm. I think we'll talk non-spoilery for a while. And then if you just don't care or if you want to come back and listen to this episode after you see it, we will talk some spoilery stuff later in the episode okay so the tagline it's directed by andrew cumming and the tagline is the dawn of man the birth of fear and the description is in the old stone age <laughs> i like that in the old stone age the old the old stone age a, is it disparate it's not desperate it's with an Dis eye. disparate Yep. Disparate. It sounds weird. A disparate gang of early humans band together in search of a new land. But when they suspect a malevolent mystical being is hunting them down, the clan are forced to confront a danger they never envisaged. It's not envisioned. Envisages. Envisaged. This is definitely a British. Envisaged. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be. It looks be. like envisaged. Is that a thing? 
You know Invi- what we're talking about that. Yeah, in- envis- envisaged. Envisaged. I have. I don't know that I've seen that word before. I don't know. I've I've <laughs> heard it. It's a weird word. Envisioned is like what they're getting at, right? Yeah, envisioned is like the same word. So <laughs> that is. Wow, that hurt me to read. Mm-hmm. Jeremy. Going into this, like we knew that it was an R-rated movie. We knew it was an hour and a half. I had, of course, checked out the Reddits because I was curious. Like, you know, people were saying it was supposed to be out of darkness. Out of darkness was like some people were like saying it was to be Winnie Pooh, Blood and Honey too. Some people were saying it was going to be imaginary, but like those came too late or whatever. Like people were like, no, this is too far in advance for those. Yeah. So out of darkness, what are your general? off the cuff thoughts uh i was pretty intrigued by this i like i didn't i don't think i was in love with this movie but i generally enjoyed it and i thought it was an interesting idea like as we were just talking about earlier of pushing the envelope uh of what a horror movie can be and what you can do with uh narrative film i like this idea of yeah uh going back to like the earliest stages of human existence, like a period piece set before his recorded history actually exists. They did it in a language they made up for the movie, uh, trying, trying to emulate, you know, probably what they believe early, uh, humans may have, their spoken languages may have been, uh, with each other. Um, interestingly, sorry, quick aside, because I'm a big history nerd, but I, I read online that the language they used was made up for the movie. However, they based it off of the Basque language, uh, which is uh, spoken in regions of northern Spain and southern France to this day. Uh, but I think the reason they picked Basque is because Basque as a language predates. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest language in Europe. It predates all modern European languages, and it's probably still close to like a prehistoric la- spoken language. So okay. I'm pretty sure that's probably why they went with that, because they're like, well, Basque is a very, very ancient language that still exists today. So likely it's related to whatever our earliest ancestors were speaking in Europe where this movie is set. So, yeah, I mean, it is the feature film debut of this director which is really impressive because it mm-hmm. it just feels so seasoned yeah i d- i don't know that i i mean i definitely didn't love it um i liked it i it's an hour and a half i didn't feel i felt it moved along fairly well and i think it's partially because it's it takes place forty five thousand years ago mm-hmm. so like as a people they're very different than we are now, which is great. And I love that. Right. Like, and no one knows what they were really like back then, Mm -hmm. but like the care, like the character building of them is so different that I never fully got on board with any characters. Like our, our lead character actress that sort of, you don't know is going to be the lead for a while. Like mm-hmm. she's sort of a little bit of a focus, but you don't know that necessarily that's where you're going. Like it's sort of set up that one person's going to be the main person you're following. And then that sort of shifts. But I just, I don't, I don't know. I never was like fully enraptured in them to be fully invested when the fear came of this, what's out there and what's mm-hmm. happening around us. Yeah. But like, essentially, and I know the description says this, but this group of people, there's like six of them or five of them. It's a small group. 
they come to this new land hoping that it's gonna be great and like the land is sort of cursed is what they say like they there's not the vegetation they thought there was going to be they're getting very hungry they, they there's like no food they can't find anything but then they start to find like carcasses and weird stuff starts to happen at night one like the lead characters like it's her period and sort of it, all the blame gets put on her when this sort of monster this demon i think is what they call it starts like sort of hunting them at night or like mm-hmm. like appearing around them um and then that's the crux like the the demon sort of uh you know is hunting them and how they deal with it and then the outcome of that so that's really the gist of it mm-hmm. how did you feel about the characters though like did you feel it's- fully invested it's it's different. Um, th- this is one of those things where, I, like, I was more into the story than the characters, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, because they are very different. They're very, they're they're much more brutal uh, than like a modern person would be, and I think they're trying to lean into that because existence at that time for people, you know, you're barely removed from wild animals at that point. Uh, so it is entirely about survival and doing anything you can to keep you alive uh to keep going like it's based entirely on survival that's the only thing that matters to any individual uh at this point in history and where you know their place in nature um and yeah and it's just a survivalist story set in that way so in a way uh i know i just referenced this talking about sasquatch sunset but this feels like 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 a playoff of a nature documentary really where you're watching something that's uh, different from us, you know, and maybe at times feeling the empathy, <laughs> but for the most part, it's kind of removed because it's just such a different existence from what we have now. That's all very well spoken. And I agree. <laughs> I, I do. And it it is just beautiful though. Like, I feel like it is so, it's so well shot. Like I, like I was like, why didn't this just, just go to streaming, but I'm glad I was able to see it in a theater. Yeah. So, like, it was made in 2022. It came out, I think, in England in 23. It was up for, like, some British Independent Film Awards, like, in October. Mm -hmm. And then, like, sometime, I think, in the fall, it was acquired, like, I think, Bleecker Street or whatever. Bleecker Street, yeah. And then they, like, sold the North American rights to, I can't remember which other. Like, it felt like we watched, like, five minutes of production companies in the beginning. There were so many of them. (laughs) <laughs> like, the, yeah, the the British Film Institute, the the British National Lottery was involved. Uh, <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> they they filmed it in Scotland apparently because there was some some Scotland, uh, you know, production thing attached to it. So, yeah, and it's funny though. Anytime in these horror movies, when I see upside down camera shots, I always think of Midsommar. Like, it, that's where yeah. my mind goes to because like it was so beautifully and perfectly done there that sometimes and here i thought i can't remember i think it was like smile or something where they did it and i was like fuck off like you're not ari aster yeah you're not ari aster (laughs) but here this was and the movies that were invoked by this one for me uh were definitely the revenant um and another one would be stanley kubrick's movie barry linden uh and interestingly, both of those are period pieces, too. Uh, but what makes them similar to this movie is the fact that uh, all of those movies use natural lighting mm. uh, as opposed to because uh, that's like 
that's the one thing I think makes this movie out of darkness very cool to see in a theater on a big screen is just the images themselves. Because, I mean, I guess I don't know for a fact. I didn't look it up, but my assumption is they used natural lighting because there's tons of under, like there's tons of underexposed shots and just like the way the darkness is very dark as the sun actually sets interplayed with like whatever light you can capture. Um, so it reminded me of, you know, The Revenant was shot that way entirely outside with no artificial lighting. Uh, and then Stanley Kubrick's movie, Barry Lyndon, uh, they used lighting, but it was candlelight. They used like literal candlelight most of the time because he wanted to emulate. That's a period piece set in the uh, like 1600s, I think, in England. So they were trying to capture what the lighting was authentically at that time, candles. So, um, but I think that's fascinating when a movie does that because it gives it such a starkly, unique look compared to all the artificial lighting you're used to seeing in movies. So true. And I thought of the ritual the whole time watching it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, now, like, I mean, which is of course yeah. contemporary, but this group of people and they're like, let's not go into the forest. But then something happens and they need to go through the forest because I think it will be quicker. It's like yeah. exactly what happens here. Yes. And so like, I totally thought of the ritual, which I still just love to this day. Like I just, some of the imagery in that movie just stands, stands out to me. Like and remain, it lingers with me. Like mm -hmm. I just, like, there's some really, I just got a little goosebump. I, I just love the ritual. I think it's such a fucking good movie. Yeah. The ritual was good. I want to revisit that. Yeah. I think that, I think it was based on a book and I think maybe I should read the book and rewatch the movie. So yeah, great idea. Yeah, because that, that movie, yeah, that's what I thought of this whole time. Um, also, like, the theater was pretty packed. Like, I was surprised. But also, when we went to see Godzilla last night at the theater we were, we were at, it was like $5 Tuesdays or whatever. So, uh -huh. like, it was also, Godzilla itself was not packed, but the theater was very busy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, once I realized why, I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh. And I think you said it, like, because the Scream Unseen mystery movies are five dollars that's probably why so many people came even though it was a monday night yeah but there were so many people in that theater but wouldn't you say it's like one of the quieter theater experiences we've had like people were not like laughing and no. being loud the the most disruptive thing was that like the whole back row we were sitting in was full on the map when i got my tickets our tickets but like the three seats next to you were empty the whole movie and like an hour into the movie Yes. An hour and 20 minutes after the start time with trailers, the, the three people came and sat down. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy shit, you're, you're catching the third act of the movie. Like, <laughs> like they have no idea what has happened. And then when it was over, the guy's like, this movie was terrible. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, dude, you watched like the last 20 minutes. Like how, you have no context. So it's so bizarre. Yeah. Like, how do you know? 15 minutes. An hour and like 15 minutes. Yeah, they missed like an hour of the movie and then came and so sat down. crazy. They caught like the last 20 minutes of the movie. And it's yeah, like, like a very well behaved audience. Like I got to tell yeah. you, I've had lots of the opposite experience. Like last Late. night there was someone behind, like we think the two guys behind us were getting it on at one point. And then I think one of them had some sort of mental condition because like I kept hearing talking and I looked back and like the one guy was sitting back and that guy that was talking was like sitting forward and like looking to his right where there wasn't anyone and talking. And I was so confused. Like wow. it was bizarre. Interesting. So yeah, I've had a lot of that lately. Cause I just think people don't know how to go to the movies anymore after COVID. Like I think they all think yep. they're in their living room and they can just fucking talk as much as they want and 
be on their phones and fucking go on Snapchat. Like it drives me fucking crazy. Oh, me too. I was very impressed with the experience we had. Yeah, no, that was cool because I was like, okay, good. And and this type of movie, I feel like that's the experience you need. It's like, let's sit here and be quiet and study this thing because this is like a near like art artifact sort of movie. The fact the way it's put together, this feels like it should be playing at like the DIA is going to, you know, run it or something like that. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And there's one moment in particular of like great gore that's like, ooh, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Unfortunately, I, to me, it's like the one moment of that. But um, I don't know. Do we anything else before we can get into some spoilers? Because that's where I really want to talk. You know, that's a good lead in, too, because that moment of gore put an idea in my head that I was okay. like, I think I know how this is going to play out. And I was correct. So. so so here's the whole thing, right? Like they're getting like there's this thing around them and it's like, what is this? you know, demon that's haunting us, that's that's coming, that's hunting us. It appears to be a monster. You keep catching, yeah, clips of it, like glimpses of it, where it doesn't look like anything you can identify. Yeah. So now let's get into spoiler territory. So yep. if you want to watch this movie or whatever, please go and watch it in a week when it comes out and then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. And if you just don't care and just want to know, um, then listen on, dear friend. Yep. Here we go. Okay, so yes. So you think it's this one thing, right? Which also, the, the reveal kind of reminded me of The Village. That's what it sort of reminded me of as well. Sure, yeah. So lo and behold, there is no monster. It is people. I think in particular, two people, mm-hmm. right? Like a, yeah. whatever, a couple of some sort. But they're even more primitive than the people who come to this land. Like they've lived there a long time and they're, they don't seem to have a language that we hear them speak. They make nope. weird noises and like screamings. Like yep. they, they do vocalizations. Yeah. But when they're caught, it seems like, like, you know, they're wearing like some weird sort of costume mm-hmm. that's made out of like sticks and things, which also reminded me of like the ritual. That's what it sort of looked like to me. Like some of the weird things they found in like that cabin. But then it just is like this, these primitive people sort of protecting their, their land right yeah absolutely so here's the thing too that like kind of telegraphed that for me um was that do you mind if i go into all of this no no no, oh sure so it's that moment of gore uh our main guy whatever whatever his name uh is escaping adem uh he goes off chasing after the thing in the darkness and then clearly he gets jumped because you hear him, you know, screaming uh, that he's as he's attacked by whatever it is unseen. Uh, and then his brother goes to try and save him and drags him back and he's mortally wounded. But the like the main thing is like his jaw is almost ripped off. Uh, yeah. And uh, so up to that point, I'm sitting there thinking. It's probably not going to be a monster, you know, it's not a truly going to be a demon or monster. It's going to be some kind of wild animal they've never encountered before. So I'm sitting there trying to think like, is it going to be some kind of saber tooth cat or, you know, like a wolf or a bear or something like that? Like what, you know, people, humans in this era would be up against in the wild. Um, But the call they kept doing, I'm like, it's like a screeching they keep hearing at night uh, when this thing is around. I, I, I couldn't place any like... If it's supposed to be an animal that we know or anything like that, like, it doesn't sound like it. Like, I don't know what that screaming is. Um, But I had a quick thought in my head where I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's going to turn out to be 
some other type of primitive man, like a Neanderthal is what they're running into, like a different type of human from them. Uh, and what put that emotion in my mind uh, is the injury he gets in that scene, because uh, we're all primates, you know, humans, uh, we're, we're in the primate family, but when primates attack uh, to injure, uh, you know, a target or another animal, they usually try to break the jaw first uh, or break your hands because those are what you're going to attack them back with. Uh, oh. So they they try to stop you from biting or clawing at them, so they'll try and break your hands or break your jaw first. Uh, and that's why I was sitting there like, oh, I wonder if it's some other type of primate. Lo and behold, we discover that when they rip the mask off of her, it looks like a human or perhaps a Neanderthal, and she screeches, and again, I'm like, oh, that's how most apes communicate with each other, is through howling and screeching, like that's their vocalization, their language. Uh, so that makes sense that, that I think that those uh, humans they run into are supposed to be Neanderthals, uh, which are, you know, a slightly older type of human, but a different species nonetheless. But at this time in the Stone Age, there were literally like multi multiple species of human existing at the same time, which is so weird to think about. But, yeah. Um, what our main uh, characters are, I, I assume they're supposed to be like Homo erectus, uh, I think is the species that gave way to. Uh, or maybe they are Homo sapiens. I can't remember. I'm really shaky on my natural history back then. But the humans we're descended from, it's believed like during the Stone Age that they hunted into extinction all the other types of humans due mm. to, uh, 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 you know, hunt, hunting them down, conflict for the same resources and locations. And we had bigger brains, so we were smarter. So eventually we wiped out the other types of humans. So, But I think that's like what this movie is showing us, is a, ver a vision of that conflict. Interesting. Yeah. See, I 100% thought it was a Wendigo. Oh, okay. Because so I'll, in case people will play this game and aren't playing it already, I'll like not say which video game it is, but there's a video game I've been playing where there is a Wendigo storyline. And in it, there is they there's discussion of the Wendigo would control humans once humans would eat human flesh. Once mm -hmm. they did that, the, the Wendigo could sort of control them or something along those lines. So like while there's the creature, it hadn't crossed my mind yet, but there's a certain point when our main characters we're following have to eat human flesh and not everyone does but like our main character does and i thought oh we're going into the wendigo territory i'm like cool like you don't think of the wendigo back in like caveman age but let like let's fucking go there and uh -huh. then it wasn't and then i was sad yeah yep and then i also thought of the village because that's what it felt like <laughs> also the way the movie ultimately ends uh where <laughs> since we are talking spoilers where the surviving like Neanderthal person is like begging for help to escape from the burning cave. And our main gal just bashes her head in and kills her. And I'm like, all right, I'm glad that they're on point there because that makes sense in context. You're like, never are you going to help something else? Like, like I just said, this is about survival in this age. So anything that's slightly different from you, you're going to be like, nope, it dies. It can't survive. It can't live with us. Cause it's a, it's a competitor. It's an enemy. And, you know, humans, we're still barely, like I said, removed from wild animals at that point. So it's like, of course, you're going to go for, nope, I am not going to let something that could potentially kill me later live. So 
And while, yes, this is a horror movie, once it all comes down to it, once you've been through it all, it yeah. does have that vibe of like, it's more like of a survivalist film, but like in the guise of a horror film. And then, yeah, it also it has that sort of cheesy, but aren't people the real monsters <laughs> like sort of vibe yeah. at the end? So, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, overall, definitely seen a whole heck of a lot worse at the theater. Like it was... Yeah. I was not miserable watching it. I just didn't. I just didn't love it. I just yeah. didn't love it. But I, I you know, I was glad we saw it. Yeah, I was gonna say we've seen worse movies that we intentionally saw. We knew what we were seeing. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> and they so were true. worse. So this was a pleasant surprise that we didn't know what it was, but it turned out to be something that was at least I didn't mind sitting through it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, anything else you'd like to say on it? No, I think that's. I think that's it. Well, out of five nearly ripped off Jaws, how many do you give Out of Darkness? Uh, I'm going to go with a three and a half. All right, I'm going to go with a three. And still, a a solid. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. That's right. Cool. Yeah, I want to go, because like you said, that's the thing that impressed me, is that's this guy's first movie. Yeah. And it feels very mature as a filmmaker, what he created. So I give props to that. That's really what it, the filmmaking. I was this was one of those movies that really drew me into the like the way it was crafted specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what hooked me was just the, the film technique uh, used here. Yeah, for sure. So let's see what comes of him. Yeah, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see once this is in wider release and more people can see it, what the response is to this thing. Yeah, so. I think it's going to be pretty mixed. I think so. I think it will be, but I'm yeah, I'm interested to see what happens where this guy yeah. goes. If he does something else, you know, that'll be great. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening. As always, we love to hear from you. I just said how. So scaringsharing.gmail.com or follow us on Insta Scaring Sharing. All one word. <laughs> and Jeremy, thank you as always for being here. It's always a pleasure. Always, every time. <laughs> Remember, I'm your boyfriend now. Until next time, guys, if you want blood, you got it. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because uh, scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. sharing sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.